New mutations of the virus underscore the urgent need to contain COVID in all countries. Because even if wealthier countries succeed in rapidly rolling out vaccine and containment campaigns, if we don't do the same in low and middle income countries at the same time, the virus will continue to mutate and will pose a new threat to everybody, even countries that managed to control the original COVID strain. Welcome to Contain This. I'm Stephanie Williams, Australia's Ambassador for Regional Health Security. Today we bring you an Indo-Pacific Health Leaders interview that looks at the global effort to fight COVID-19, whilst not losing any progress gained in reducing the epidemics of HIV, AIDS, malaria and tuberculosis. I'm pleased to invite Lady Rosalind Morata to join us. Lady Ros is a permanent resident of Papua New Guinea and lived in the country for 37 years. Rosalind has extensive experience in both the private and public sectors in Papua New Guinea. Her voluntary work, mostly focused on health and HIV issues, began when she was the First Lady of PNG and has intensified in the years since. She was formerly the chair of the PNG Country Coordinating Committee for the Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis and Malaria. And in 2019, Rosalind was appointed as the Vice Chair of the Global Fund's board. Ros? Welcome to Contain This. Can you describe progress in the fight against malaria, TB and HIV from the Global Fund's experience? At the turn of the millennium, just 20 years ago, the world was staring into an abyss. You know, societies and economies of many countries were on the way to being decimated by HIV. Entire families wiped being wiped out, communities emptying, villages emptying, orphanages filling up, education and health capabilities weakened. You know, it was a catastrophe of unprecedented proportions. The birth of the Global Fund reflected the international community's political will to mobilise whatever it takes, the means, the voice, the science, to confront this. And the results of the work of the Global Fund and partner organisations in tandem with countries and affected communities, they're really spectacular. In the last 20 years, well, since 2002, in fact, the Global Fund partnership has saved 38 million lives. Millions of people around the world are now on antiretroviral therapy, and they've been spared the death sentence that used to come with HIV. AIDS-related deaths have dropped by 61% since 2002. The results with malaria are also spectacular. The number of people dying from malaria, most of them young children, they've been cut in half. And TB deaths have dropped by 25% in that period, thanks to new diagnostic systems, which are speeding up the testing and treatment of people with TB. So these achievements show what's possible when the world unites to fight infectious disease. So it's really important to reflect now on the progress of the last 20 years. And I know even pre-COVID, there was some urgency around the SDG 2030 goals um, for the three diseases. And I've oft heard it being said the Global Fund was created to stop the pandemics of HIV, TB and malaria. 
area. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder if you could tell us a bit about how the Global Fund, in addition to its core mandate for the three diseases, has supported the COVID-19 response around the world, including through the ACT Accelerator. As you said, the Global Fund was set up to fight pandemics. And COVID has very much impacted the services for HIV, TB and malaria in low and middle income countries. So we're now leveraging our strengths in pandemic response to mitigate the impact of COVID on HIV, TB and malaria programs, but also to contribute to the fight against COVID in directly in more than 100 countries. So using our extensive health and community networks, our well-established health procurement and distribution systems to distribute COVID-19 tools, medical supplies and training, and also leveraging the strengths and effectiveness of our partnership model at the country level. We've already deployed over 1 billion US dollars and just in the last couple of months raised a further $3.7 billion. This is just for COVID, separate from the $14.1 billion that we raised for in the last replenishment in 2019. So Global Fund's now the primary channel for providing grant support to low and middle income countries for COVID-19 tests, treatments, including medical oxygen, PPE, and critical elements of health system strengthening. We're also a leading partner in the Access to COVID Tools Accelerator, the ACT Accelerator, or ACT-A. This is the global collaboration that includes WHO, Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, World Bank and others to ensure the accelerated development and equitable deployment of tools to fight COVID-19. So with the other partners, we're advocating a comprehensive approach that brings together testing, treatments, vaccines, and the health systems and medical supplies to make tests, treatments, and vaccines happen. It's really important to stress vaccines alone will not be enough. Good progress is being made. The ACT Accelerator has raised $14 billion of the 33 it needs to respond to the acute phase of the pandemic this year. It's been able to speed up the availability of antigen rapid diagnostic tests, as well as reduce prices of these tests by a half to three quarters. The ACT Accelerator has already procured more than 63 million tests, distributed life-saving dexamethasone treatment and oxygen, and delivered more than 100 million PPE kits to protect frontline health workers. So Global Fund's co-leading two of the four pillars of the ACT Accelerator. We're co-leading the Diagnostics Pillar and the Health Systems Connector. We're also supporting on procurement and distribution for the Therapeutics Pillar. But much more needs to be done to ensure equitable access to these tools and public health responses. Just this year, the funding gap for what's required is $19 billion. And the estimate of what's required next year is 35 to $45 billion. So the funding gap is huge. And to defeat COVID, the choice facing wealthier countries like Australia is whether to invest billions now to fund equitable access to the tools necessary to defeat COVID or risk paying trillions later to respond to uncontained COVID. 
new mutation, mutations of the virus underscore the urgent need to contain COVID in all countries. Because even if wealthier countries succeed in rapidly rolling out vaccine and containment campaigns, if we don't do the same in low and middle income countries at the same time, the virus will continue to mutate and will pose a new threat to everybody, even countries that managed to control the original COVID strain. This could see a continuation of the current humanitarian crisis that by some estimates has already cost 10 million lives around the world and the continuation of an economic crisis that the IMF has estimated will cost 11 trillion this by this year to the global economy and 28 trillion dollars by 2825 so fighting covid really does require rich countries to step up not only because they have the resources to do so but it's also in their interests so obviously in my view i think australia needs to do more on the international stage in this in this respect too and it's so important to have the voices of the global fund you know playing that role in the in the global response to be able to articulate some of those real challenges about the urgency of now and the potential even worse situation of the future and I, I, I but i also want to acknowledge earlier in your answer about recognizing and how the global fund's strengths um, as the procurement distribution and the practice of being able to channel funds to countries, but also on the connection to people and communities. And, you know, halfway through 2021, we're now talking about people. But I think for 2020, we were talking about a pathogen before mm. we were talking about people. And, and having the Global Fund as a key part of the global response has just brought the strength that it has had over decades in the fight against the three diseases to what still I think we need to improve putting people at the centre of the COVID response. Um, and I know it's it's the subject of much discussion at the Global Fund <laughs> currently. Um, exactly. I couldn't agree more, Stephanie. Moving to our region, I wonder if you could give us some insight into the important work the Global Fund does in PNG. Yes. Well, that's a topic that I'm very familiar with. Um, the Global Fund doesn't have country offices. The only office is in Geneva. So at the country level, there's an organisation that re replicates the public-private partnership of the Global Fund that governs the work of the Global Fund in each country, from grant application to grant implementation and grant monitoring. In, in countries, it's called the country coordinating mechanism. So in PNG, we have the PNG country coordinating mechanism, and I was chair of the CCM for a number of years there. It's made up of members of from government, from the National Health Department, from Treasury. There are four provincial government representatives, reps from the private sector, faith-based organisations, other NGOs, multilateral and bilateral donors. DFAT is on the CCM. And most importantly, people directly affected by the three diseases. So in each country, the grants are implemented by a combination of, of the health um, agencies and other local experts. In PNG, the principal recipient for TBHIV grant is World Vision, with the health department and implementing partner, and a number of sub-recipients. WHO also receives a little bit of funding for some key technical positions 
For malaria, the principal recipient is Rotarians Against Malaria, with the Institute of Medical Research, a sub-recipient and health department and implementing partner. So our first grant in PNG was 2004. And since then, Global Fund has invested a billion keener, about 287 million US dollars in PNG. The current funding cycle, the allocation is $78 million, about 270 million keener. That's for 2021 to 23. 40 million is for TBHIV and nearly 38 million for malaria. We've also been able to attract additional funding in the past. Uh, DFAT has contributed to the CCM um, Secretariat, which has been extremely helpful assistance. But we've also had direct assistance to the grants. In the last round, we managed to get six million US dollars to procure mosquito nets from Against Malaria Foundation in the UK, and also assistance in the malaria grant from Comic Relief. But the challenges fighting to fight these diseases in PNG are huge. There's a very high disease burden, especially for TB and malaria. PNG is one of 30 high TB, multi-drug resistant TB and TB HIV burden countries in the world. The estimated incidence of TB was 432 per 100,000 people in 2018, which is among the highest globally. And TB mortality is around just under 5,000 deaths a year. PNG has the highest malaria burden in the world outside of Africa. And a very large percentage of the population is at risk. It's estimated about 94% of the population is at risk of malaria. With an estimated 900,000 cases, that's more than three quarters of the malaria burden in the Western Pacific region. But Rotarians Against Malaria have done a fabulous job. And in some areas since 2007, the incidence of malaria has dropped by 70%. They've distributed over 10 million nets to provinces and, and one and a half million nets to pregnant women through the antenatal clinics. For HIV, while the national prevalence is less than 1%, it's 0.85%, there's much greater prevalence in eight provinces, which we call the high burden HIV provinces. Morabi, National Capital District, Eastern Highlands, Simbu, Western Highlands, Enga, Jawaka, and Madang. And these eight provinces account for two thirds of the known people with HIV in PNG. The prevalence is also much higher among a set of key populations. It's just over 7% in men who have sex with men and transgender populations, and just under 20% in female sex workers. Reaching these affected and vulnerable populations is difficult. Because of the geographical dispersion of diseases, but also key populations for HIV, female sex workers, men who have sex with men, transgender people, they're socially marginalized, they're criminalized, and they face a range of human rights abuses that increase their vulnerability to HIV and make their access to services 
very difficult. And then, of course, there are challenges with the health system itself. Stockouts and shortages in commodities like medicines, test kits, reagents, condoms, chronic staff shortages right throughout the country in the health centres. Many positions vacant due to lack of funds. Weak laboratory infrastructure and capacity. And insufficient access to timely data. However, you know, the results are there to be seen as well. For example, in the fight against AIDS, over 30,000 Papua New Guineans receive antiretroviral therapy last year. And HIV prevention programs are reaching over 17,000 sex workers, 7,000 men who have sex with men, and 400 transgender people. The grant is very much focused on the key populations, as well as help, helping support the, the national treatment program. Ros, can you expand a bit on why it is so important that people affected by the three diseases are on the decision-making bodies in countries, the CCMs? This is really important, and it's one of the features of the Global Fund. I think it's the only global health organisation that actually has people who are affected by diseases in every stage of the process of decision-making right to the Global Fund board. But in PNG, we did a lot of work in the last few years to strengthen the voice of the communities. A lot of training about the diseases, um, involving people living with disease in actually rolling out prevention um, programs particularly, also involvement in treatment programs, the community aspect of, of support for TB treatment is really important, as it is for HIV too. And hearing the voice of the people who are affected by the disease and how they want services to be delivered to them is really important. So the PNGCCM probably has the highest number of of um, community representatives on it, of any in the world. And that it's one of the things that I'm, I'm really proud of because it's also helped change people's thinking and, and it, it, it's improved the way we deliver services without question. In, amidst all those challenges and, again, acknowledging the positive results um, that have been possible in, in PNG, how has the Global Fund adapted to the COVID situation in PNG in particular? And, you know, we have just been through a large rise in cases over the last couple of months. Can you tell us a bit more about the Global Fund's work on COVID there? Yes. I mean, the the since February, there's been a 10% increase in cases. And the last estimate I saw the end of last week was 13,700 cases. But that number, of course, is an underrepresentation. Um, the Burnett Institute recently estimated that at least 80,000 people are currently infected, and adding that without effective interventions, we could expect the number of infections to double weekly and even reach a million before too long. So COVID is, is in a critical stage in PNG at the moment. Much more assistance is needed, including to ensure that PNG can access sufficient vaccines for a high proportion of the population 
and that the health systems themselves can deliver the rollout of the vaccines. Global Fund's not directly involved in vaccines, but we're playing a leading role in global collaboration and assistance on diagnostics and treatments. So for P&G, we've provided an additional $4.3 million, about 15 million Kina, for HIV, not for HIV, for COVID commodities and programming. <laughs> Through these funds, we've seen masks, thousands of masks, respirator filters, surgical gowns, gloves, gene expert cartridges for COVID testing and, and um, antigen rapid tests being delivered. And with the recent announcement that the US will provide three and a half billion to the Global Fund's COVID response and Canada and um, Germany also, the Global Fund will be able to continue to support COVID in PNG this year. Um, PNG was allocated a further $12 million, about 42 million Kina in April. So the country coordinating mechanism and health department and other partners are currently working on the funding request for this further support. Perhaps the, the biggest challenge that, that Papua New Guinea faces if constraints to COVID tools are overcome is using them efficiently and effectively, getting life-saving services to the front line. The health system was struggling before COVID, now it's teetering on the brink with large numbers of health workers becoming infected with COVID. But this is the same health system that, that we need to roll out vaccines, testing and treatment for COVID, as well as for all other health conditions, not just HIV, TB and malaria, but maternal and child health, health promotion, disease prevention, diagnosis and treatment generally. It's a huge ask for PNG's health system, but it's one that must be met. It's encouraging to hear from WHO that PNG has distributed over 130,000 vaccine doses, some of those Australian ones, but also the COVAX ones have, have arrived now. And they've started the national rollout and reached more than 10,000 people. But that's more. We need to do far more. But I want to take this opportunity to acknowledge the extraordinary determination and commitment to those who work tirelessly to overcome weaknesses in health systems in BNG and ultimately save lives. We, we owe a huge amount to the frontline health workers, doctors, nurses, community health workers, lab technicians, all of whom have put their own health and lives on the line in the last year to save the lives of others. But much more is required. We need to support them with the resources they need. We need to support them with the recognition that they deserve, and we must mobilise whatever it takes to defeat COVID. It's a nice segue to my last question after your acknowledgement of the frontline health workers in PNG, which is timely and they will be on the front line for many years to come. All of us involved in global health are working hard during the pandemic, um, especially you. And I know that your all hours on the Global Fund board mean that it's not daytime, but nighttime also. How are you keeping personally healthy and motivated in 2021? Stephanie, the actual work keeps me motivated. You know, one has a sense of doing something that's not just necessary, but it's also constructive and interesting. And that in itself, I think is huge motivation. In my downtime, which isn't too much, I'm brushing up on my French. I listen to lots of classical music. 
I read, I belong to two book clubs, one in Brisbane and one in Port Moresby, which of course is held virtually at the moment. I also get together with friends when I can and I cook for them or we go to movies or, or whatever. But most days of the week I'm interacting with colleagues and friends overseas. So I'm continuously reminded how fortunate we are in Australia, able to go to restaurants, the cinema and concerts. We're the envy of the world. But we also need to play our part to help the rest of the world achieve a relatively COVID-free state, such as we have. And so we can open our borders safely and visit the region and the world and others can visit us. Thanks, Lady Rose. It's been terrific to talk with you from your perspectives, your deep, deep um, knowledge and connection to PNG, as well as the really important work that the Global Fund has done to date and continues to do now with COVID in its portfolio. Um, and for reminding us too that the sense of purpose is often what keeps us focused in global health during um, COVID-19 as we're in 2021. Thanks again. You've been listening to Lady Rosalind Morata, Vice Chair of the Global Fund for AIDS, TB and Malaria. This interview is the latest in our Indo-Pacific Health Leaders series. You can visit containthis.buzzsprout.com for discussions on combating COVID-19 with leaders from the Cook Islands, Cambodia, Kiribati, Australia and the World Health Organisation. Join us in another fortnight for the next episode in Season 2 of Contain This.